Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us again for another week of Rugby Chats. I'm your host, Mitch Foster, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ando Anderson. Hello. So before we start, we are two diehard rugby fans having weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. Real, family-friendly, and positive. Get involved. Get involved. Oh, yeah. So, Ando, how's your week been so far? Mate, I'm still on holidays and I'm loving it. I'm um, kind of returning back to the rat race as of tomorrow. So it'll be okay. I'm still on another like week and a half of holidays because teacher life. Yeah, it's um, still school holidays, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, and for a lot of people, school holidays have just started. I'm an independent school teacher, so it's a bit different. <laughs> um, so I cannot complain. Things are going well. How about you, mate? Yeah, I moved house over the weekend, so I've been very busy trying to um, yeah, move property and then catch four games of Super Rugby has been a bit of a struggle, but we got there. So, um, did you get all four games or did you just get the Australian games and then do highlights or, rev- or rev- roundups so of we, the Aotearoa um, games? We moved on Saturday. Yep. And so the Waratahs played Friday, so I got to watch that game in full. And then mm-hmm. I was hoping to get the Brumbies game on Saturday night, but that didn't end up happening. So Sunday afternoon, I got to watch the Hurricanes game while I had it on in the background while I was unpacking boxes and setting up <laughs> Ikea furniture and whatnot. So that was on, didn't get to see too much of it. And then this afternoon, I just went back and sort of watched the KO minis of each game, made a few notes. So should be good. Oh, to fantastic. Go. Yep. Good, good. Now I watched the Aussie games and I've just seen the highlights and reviews of the Aotearoa games. So yeah, yeah keen to chat through um, the Aussie games particularly. It's exciting to have Australian teams back and playing. It's so good. It's awesome to have rugby back on the TV. Bit of Australian flavor as well. So yeah, very good. Well, mate, why don't I jump into our socials? Uh, we've got Instagram, hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. And then you can hit us up on Facebook as well at the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast page. So, yeah, get in touch with us there. We'd love to chat. love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely give us a follow on that one because we're trying to get more and more active on that and post more content and just sort of get conversations going. So we definitely love to hear from you. So give us a follow. All right. Well, mate, so this What are we week, talking about? This week, we are going to... First of all, dive into the round one of Super Rugby AU. The first two games of the new Australian competition. Then we're going to look at, uh, well, we're going to chat about an article that Ando wrote this week or mm. this weekend for the Raw, which is very exciting. And then we'll briefly touch on the last two games of or round four of the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition. Um, we both didn't get to watch these games in too much detail. So we'll, as we said before, we'll just briefly touch about what happened and what the scores were at any sort of points but we're going to focus mostly on the uh, australian side of things well we are an aussie rugby podcast so that's let's right. do what we say we do yep cool well i think that's everything for the intro so let's get into round one let's go so this weekend saw the beginning of the Super Rugby AU competition, which was incredibly exciting to finally have after, what, three, four months, some rugby, Australian rugby back on our screens. And we had two games over the weekend. On Friday night, you had the Reds versus the Waratahs up in Brisbane. And then the second game on Saturday night was the Brumbies versus the Rebels down at GIO Stadium in Canberra. So obviously, we'll start off with the Reds versus Waratahs. Um, Mitch, any introductory thoughts you want to bring to the table before we get into a bit more detail? Yeah, it was just awesome to have Super Rugby back, well, Australian Super Rugby back, to have people, um, to have a game to watch um, with Aussies out there playing. And it was just, it was really awesome. It was kind of weird that 
Did you did you watch this one live? Yeah. Yeah, it was weird how the Fox Sports coverage, it kind of just went into it. <laughs> Normally you turn it on and there's yeah. like half an hour of, of lead in and I was expecting there to be like a cool rugby montage and mm-hmm. excitement and all this kind of stuff. It's sort of seven o'clock struck, it started. Players in the change room, next minute they're on the field and we're, we're into it. Yeah, and I also found there wasn't much at halftime either. Some people I saw were posting that their KO stream um, didn't even have any commentary. It was just the KO symbol flashing for 10, 15 minutes until the second oh, half began. Really? Yeah, and so I, I just think Fox Sports is, there's, I think there's a few factors at play. Um, one of them is the rugby um, uh, staff team have been cut at Fox massively. So there's hardly anybody there. Two, um, the overall funding for this competition is so minimal that they maybe don't even have the money to be paying for the pundits to be doing that analysis and introduction at the start. Although Super Rugby Aotearoa is doing that. So... Yeah, but that's Sky Sports. Yeah, true. Um, But then a third point is that I wonder if Fox is kind of just throwing in a towel here. Yeah, it really uh, does feel like it. Like they've got, they've got, um, they've got what Kearns, Greg Martin, and Rod Kafer who are doing the commentary. Like as much as I get frustrated by Kearns's one-eyed bias uh, and commentary, yeah. But okay, Rod as much Clark as, as well. they can be frustrating, um, they can, they could be there for the twenty, thirty minutes beforehand and just have an interview and discussion of the game in the lead up to it. They're already there. They're already getting paid. Like just, just use them. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was a bit of an odd uh, choice for them to broadcast it the way they did. But how did you like the pregame banter? So all the chat about <laughs> going up there and smashing them or how Queenslanders are uh, useless because they only drink mid-strength beer or that kind of thing. Yeah, it's awesome. We need more of that. This, like, yeah. they really, Rugby Australia really needs to be pushing this as the state of origin um, mm. fixture because the players are saying it and it's, it's being spread on social media, but it's not, it's not coming out of the official channels. And I think if we kind of legitimized it a little bit more and, and did make it a state of origin, we had the play. The I was expecting them to be wearing their retro jerseys. Maybe oh, we'll get that cool. in round the second round when the Waratahs host, I'm hoping, yep. um, because the Waratahs have announced a retro jersey, but they haven't worn it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if wear the retro jerseys, make it a, a full-on state of origin clash add that extra bit of spice to it. And this would have been the perfect time being round one of this new competition just to add a little bit more, but you know, it wasn't to be. Mate, that's a good idea. Anyway, let's get into the game itself. Um, our predictions before the game were that the Reds were going to win and they were going to win quite handily. I think I said Reds by around about 10. Uh, do you remember what your call was for this? I don't remember the exact amount. I did think the Reds were going to get up. Uh, when we recorded the pod last week, we recorded on Sunday night or Monday. The official teams hadn't been released. So the Waratahs yeah, announced correct. on Thursday or Wednesday evening that they had a, a massive number of players who were out injured. And mm-hmm. the already inexperienced side that the Waratahs had just became even more inexperienced. And we had something like four or five debutants in this game. Four, yep, four days. Yeah, so when, when that news came out, I sent you a text and I was like, oh, this is going to be messy. <laughs> this is not going to be good at all. Yeah. 
But then it only turned out, so the Reds got up 32 to 26. Congratulations. Um, so they won by six points. I was kind of surprised by how close it was. And I think there's two factors here. I think the first one is uh, massive congratulations to the Waratahs, the young Waratahs team. And you, they have to have that label. Like you can't just excuse them because of their age. They were really inexperienced. Oh, they're they really able to were. stick with it and have some really good moments. And particularly in the second half, the defensive line speed and defensive intensity improved significantly. Um, but then the second point is, I actually think it was a bit of uh, maybe complacency from the Reds, who weren't able to push forward their forward advantage and actually dominate the set piece, uh, and you use that as an attacking platform. Um, after about the 30th minute of the game when Angus Bell got sent off for the repeated penalties, which we'll touch on in a sec, um, they just didn't really seem to have the scrum as a weapon like it had been for the first 30 minutes of the game. And whether that was because of Tatera Faulkner coming on to replace Bell and just stabilising things, um, whether that was because the Reds forwards got tired and they weren't able to be as effective, I don't know. But yeah, it I think part of the closeness of the game is down to um, poor finishing or um, maybe mm. complacency from the Reds. Yeah, I definitely think that the Reds team came out firing and they came out with um, with aggression and, and with punch and they were really wanting to win this game. And mm. then towards this, the middle of the the middle of the sec of the half, so halftime came around, and then in the second half, the Waratahs just sort of they pounced and they started to make a comeback, and the Reds just didn't look like the team that they were we'd seen before they just kind of looked sleepy and and sort of not quite there and the waratahs really did cap, capitalize on that and they came they actually got the lead twice in that in sort of the first 20 minutes of the second half and then it sort of started to slip away from them but yeah they they did well for such an inexperienced side and i i was expecting the reds to do a lot more and to be a lot more um clinical in in their approach to the game. I really enjoyed the fact that the two um, super rugby players that we've had on the pod, Liam Wright and Harry Johnson Holmes, were the first and second try scorers in super rugby AU. So Liam Wright scoring in the fifth minute and Harry Johnson Holmes scoring in the ninth minute. So any super rugby players out there that are listening to the pod, let it be known that if you come and chat with us on this pod, you Every time a new competition is restarted, you're the first one that's going to score a try. So let's see what happens with that. It's a very niche area, but hey, we'll take it. We'll take um, it. Now, let's go back to Angus Bell getting yellow carded in the 30 minute, 30th minute. What was your read on that? Because three consecutive scrum penalties that were blown against the Waratahs. And according to Nick Berry, he, uh, um, Angus Bell was at fault for all three and therefore deserved the yellow card. Uh, talk to me. Let's go. Yeah, so I, I'm just going to put it out there straight away. I was not impressed with Nick Berry's performance as a referee in this game. Um, he started off all right, but then he just sort of, the game got away from him. And the fact that he's a Queenslander sort of seemed to come through a bit. And there was a lot of penalties that were getting blown against the Waratahs that really could have gone either way. Um, mm. And I do think that he was looking at certain things that like he had a picture in his mind that he wanted to go for um, in the scrum, particularly in this section, the first penalty, the first scrum collapse was Bell's fault. And he sort of just picked on him from there on the next scrum that went down. Well, this, it wasn't even, it, it didn't collapse. It went backwards. It was the second penalty. And it wheeled around on Harry Johnson's lines. Exactly. Yeah. So it's wheeled and it, but the Waratahs still maintained 
the, the bind and so they just went backwards. And so he's blown it against Bell. And then the third one is just a complete head scratcher because Angus Bell didn't even go to ground. Harry Johnson Holmes goes straight to ground and he's just blown a penalty yep. and gone straight to the cheese. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, just, just on that, how fast did he run off the field? <laughs> it's he looked... like he's just been absolutely hammered three times. He just wants to get the heck out of there as quickly as he can. He like yeah. sprints off the field. Tupo's giving him a head pat on the way past going. And he just didn't even bite him. either. He didn't even turn around yeah. and give it back. He's just like, no, nah, I'm out of here. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> set like... another scrum. He's like, no, nah, I'm done. I want to get out of this. This sucks. I'll <laughs> play. I'll play fullback. <laughs> Let's swap Maddox. You, you pack down. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. So I completely agree with you in that. Um, the second and the third penalties I thought were really harshly allocated to Angus Bell. Um, it was interesting to note, Liam Wright was saying the other week that Nick Berry has been giving them, they, they've got a referee training centre at Ballymore. They do. And I just wonder if, and hear me right in this, I'm not saying that Nick Berry was biased or trying to rig the game for the Queenslanders. Yeah. I just wonder if his um, time that he'd spent doing some refing with the Queenslanders with some um, intra-squad games and matches that they'd been doing gave the Reds a better understanding of what Barry was looking for within the game. And so they were able to adapt better or play in a way that fit the image or the picture that he was looking for as a referee compared to the Waratahs. Because if you look at the penalties conceded, it was 9-18. to 18. Now, Rob Penny in his post-game chat was saying that maybe three or four, maybe two or three of those penalties um, are a bit dubious. But to his credit, he said, however, when we are nine behind the other team or having nine more than the other team, um, well, that's indicating that there's an area of concern with that discipline. If you can argue a couple of them, you can't argue away all of them. So, yeah, what, what did you think about, the, about that point, side of things with the penalties? Yeah, so like... Anytime you look at a penalty count that's so lopsided in that way, in that one team is clearly get double the penalty count of the opposition, you immediately start to think that these guys must be doing something really, really wrong to be penalized so often. But when you mm. watch, when I watched the replay today, the Waratahs weren't doing anything um, obviously so obvious that they deserve to be blown off the park so much. The yep. calls that were going against them were very, very minute detail calls. And there was a lot of penalties that went against them that really could have gone the other way. There was a lot of um, times where the, the Reds would come over and attack the ball and then the Waratahs would be blown for not releasing. But they haven't actually had time to, to place the ball, which is one of the new yep. rules that we're meant to be introduced that the players on the ground have the opportunity to present the ball before the player over the top can steal it. That was one instance that, the, that didn't seem to go in the Waratahs' favour. There was a few mm. other times where the Waratahs were actually over the ball as well, defending it. So the, the Reds player that came in wasn't the jackal because he didn't survive. He didn't beat the tackle. He was the first player to arrive, but the Waratahs were already there. So therefore, it's a, um, it's a breakdown. It's a, it's a ruck. And the penalty should have gone to the Waratahs for the Reds going at the ball and being hands in the ruck, but it's gone against the Waratahs for not releasing. There was a number of instances where that happened and it's just, oh, things could have gone either way. I think what the Reds were trying to do throughout the game was they were learning from New Zealand comp that not having possession 
can actually be a really good thing. So they kicked a bunch more. I'm just trying to find the kicks in play. Yeah, they kicked 33 times to the Waratahs 25. And a lot of them were in the first half. So they were really, really uh, willing and keen to be giving the ball away so that they could have that defensive intensity and pressure. And I just think that maybe the leniency that the refs that Nick Berry seemed to be showing at times to the ruck area at times differed from the first week or two of the Aotearoa comp and that maybe the expectations of both teams for how things would happen at the uh, ruck were different from what actually happened on the night. Yeah. But anyway, let's actually... Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that point in that the the approach that the New Zealand rugby took to their Aotearoa competition was completely different to what Rugby Australia took to, to our domestic comp. Um, mm. We saw a lot of penalties initially from players being offside. And so in that first round of the New Zealand comp, the players were adjusting to making sure they were onside and making that extra step. I didn't see too many penalties being blown in this game for yep. players being offside. And it's, they were still flirting with that offside line. They weren't yep. as far back as the New Zealand players seemed to be. Um, and the ball, it's, it's the first week of this competition. So we will see how things pan out as it goes on. Um, but the ball, the ball speed is a lot slower than it was in New Zealand as well. So yep. We're now round four of the New Zealand comp. And I think the players over there have definitely adjusted to the new rules and they're picking their time to contest the breakdown. So they know that they're only going to contest if they're going to, to steal the ball because otherwise they're going to get penalized for slowing the ball down. Whereas in as the Australian competition, players were allowed to slow the ball down. They were allowed to play the ball on the ground. They were allowed to play, to have their hands and, and to just completely slow it down. And they, they weren't getting penalized for that. So yeah, it's a different approach to the to the refereeing of the breakdown, and I think that is why people are saying that this the Australian comp is slower than the New Zealand comp. Let's move now and highlight some of the actual players that impressed, and I just want to target um, a couple of players. Well, one person in particular from the Waratahs. I thought Lockie Swinton had probably his best game as a Waratah um, that I have seen. He brought aggression. He brought defensive intensity. He brought a level of physicality to the defensive line and the rucks that you just haven't really seen from a Waratahs player definitely this year. And I can't think of a similar performance last year. Now there were a couple of times where that strayed into penalties. So I think of the hit on Harry Wilson off the ball when Harry Wilson was a legitimate runner target didn't get the ball and Swinton just destroys him. (laughs) Um, And then the second last penalty. So the first of James O'Connor's penalties that he kicked to kind of win the game um, was a Swinton not getting back uh, in the defensive line. So he was one step forward and was called for being offside. Fair enough. Um, So there are a couple of times where maybe his enthusiasm, let let us call it that, uh, got him into trouble with the penalties. But overall, he was fantastic. Were there any other players that um, really kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I was really surprised. uh, Well, not surprised, but I thought Jack Maddox had a really good game at 15 for the Waratahs. Earlier in the year when we had Beal at 15 and Maddox sort of floated around in the centers and on the wing, I just don't think those positions really suited him. Um, And he just didn't feel comfortable there. He just didn't seem to make any meters. He just didn't seem to be involved. But this week playing at 15, he, it really gave him that freedom to inject himself into the game at certain points. Um, And that try that he scored uh, in the beautiful, 
I don't remember what minute it was, but um, 47th. Yeah, 47th minute. Yeah. Great try. And your mate, Lockie Swinton set it up perfectly oh, my for mate. him. My mate. <laughs> um, so they, yeah, that was great. Just ran this perfect ball straight through this gap that just opened up like the Red Sea really. And it was straight <laughs> through. So yeah, no, yeah. he, he did do very well. I do think um, his kicking game needs a little bit of work and yeah. He's and just in the Waratahs in general, their kicking wasn't great. It was interesting that they didn't seem to be coached to the new rules as much as the Reds. So the Reds were contesting the 50 22. They, they had about three of them. And the Waratahs didn't seem aware of the fact that it was happening. When, it, when the ball went out, they'd go to there was twice that they picked the ball up and <laughs> went for a quick yeah. line out. And you're like, well, clearly that's a 50 22. Like, you know the rules. Um, the ref had to bring it yeah. back. But then they had the same opportunity to go for those kicks and they didn't. Or they'd kick mm. pointlessly, they'd do a high ball and it just wouldn't go anywhere. So it was really weird that they weren't coached to those rules and that they weren't taking advantage of the new competition um, to try and get that, that advantage. So I would agree in that Maddox was basically, uh, he was an incredible standout player. I thought... And we're just going to stick with the Tars for a second and we'll jump across to the Reds. Don't worry, we're not just going to talk about the Tars the entire pod. Um, although that's a good idea. But anyway, moving on. Um, Will Harrison is growing more and more into his role as a playmaker. Um, again, I've said it before, I feel for Mac Mason, but if we just move on from that kind of discarding of Mac Mason, um, I thought... Harrison is continuing to play with growing confidence and maturity. He had a hundred percent kicking game, didn't miss a penalty or conversion and uh, had a couple of really good breaks and just his kicking, his tactical kicking needs to improve. Um, but overall, I just thought the quality of his game was pretty impressive for a 20 year old. Yeah. So he's doing well. He is improving. I think, yeah, as a point I said before, overall, the Waratahs in general don't have a strong kicking um, as a team. They're not they're yeah. not strong in the kicking department. So I don't think that's something they're focusing on too much because it's just across the board. It's not like one player is doing it well and one's not. No one is yeah. doing it well. So the fact that he's doing well in the other elements, in the place kicking and things, we'll take that. We'll take that as a win. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Reds players. So who stood out to you? Um, a couple of Reds players of note. Yeah. Harry Wilson is doing really well at number eight. Do you reckon this was one of his best game? Like I, games? I wouldn't say it was his best game, but he's still doing really well. Yeah. Okay. I, f- I thought he was a lot more dominant than, um, oh, I can't remember who was playing eight for us. Will Harris. <laughs> Harry Wilson and Will Harris. And Will Harrison as well. Um, yes, so similar names. Yeah, it's yeah. so annoying. I mean, yeah, anyway, was Will his, Harris was, was his, number eight. Yeah. It was his debut as well. So um, mm. maybe there was a bit of nerves there. I did think Harry Wilson played better in that position. I thought yep. James O'Connor would have done more. Um, he just seemed a bit quiet. Didn't seem he was just take, kicking the ball away so much. Yeah, he didn't seem to take the line on much and he wasn't really feeding or leading the team around. Uh, yep. I, I don't know. We haven't seen that kind of form from him this year. So that's a little bit of a worry, but the fact that he sort of lost that form in the off season. But Yeah, he, he was growing into it in the Crusaders and the Sunwolves and Crusaders games at the tail end of the first part of the season. Um, I think my comment about the game plan for the Reds where they were kicking so heavily in the first half, I think it just negated his ability to influence backline players because it was basically kick it, do up and unders, try and contest the ball in the air 
and give the ball to the Waratahs and just apply defensive pressure was the, what I thought the game plan was in the first half at least. And that doesn't enable a strong attacking player like James O'Connor to really shine when you're just kicking the ball away. Yeah. Um, I thought Taniela Tupo was... Um, <laughs> he's showing... I'm, I'm a bit concerned about his development in okay. that he's an absolute beast. Yeah. And he showed his strength as a scrummaging, one of the best scrummaging players in Australia in this game. Admittedly, he was against an inexperienced Angus Bell, but he still showed that he is an absolute powerful unit that's incredibly yes. hard to um, counter in a scrum. But then he goes away and gives two weak, weak um, penalties for taking out the kicker after he's late. cleared it. Yep. Now, yeah, th- they were late. They weren't incredibly reckless and i think the second one was probably it was probably a bit harsh for him to get a yellow card well the, it's, the problem it's was the he'd done it already yeah, yeah. exactly and so ind- ind- independently they weren't bad enough to warrant a yellow card but the fact that he did it twice after being warned the first time just showed a level of like um i'm trying to think of the right word carelessness recklessness within his play that I think he needs to just continue to mature out of. And if he can take out those little aggression or brain fart moments, then he is going to be, if he's not already one of the best front rowers in Australia and he'll be challenging eventually. Yeah. I don't want to hype him up too much, but at this point he's got an incredibly good running game. Yes. Pretty soft hands for a front row for (laughs) a prop. And, um, his scrummaging is coming along well. So we just need to get... He reminds me of a bit of Carl Sinclair from okay. England, yep. who is just this angry, aggressive, yeah. abrasive prop. And I don't think Tupo is that to the same extent, but I'm just a bit concerned that op- smart opposition operators will be able to kind of rub get, his face in, yeah, get, get under in. his skin and cause him to do something stupid that gets him yellow carded again. So I just hope yeah. he kind of some, some older heads can have a word to him and just go, mate, channel it. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was a particular approach to this game. The Queensland team seemed very fired up. Mm. Um, they they were talking pre-game and post-game about this being state of origin and and beating the old enemy and wanting to to break the eleven year drought and all those things. But they the, their team was very much the ones that were starting the niggles and, and getting in on the niggles once they had started. Except for Lockie Swinton. Except for Lockie Swinton. Except for Swinton. But most <laughs> of the time... That? Yeah, you go. Yeah, so most of the time it would be like a player would get tackled, a Waratahs player, there'd be a, the whistle would blow, there'd be a knock-on or whatever it was, penalty. Um, the Waratahs player sort of on the ground slams the ground in a bit of frustration and then the next minute there's a, a reds player that's either you know rubbing his head into the ground tapping him pushing him over like i do think that they had this that brad thorne had an approach of you know just get into it guys this is this is state yeah. of origin i've been there i know what this is like get them angry um yeah. and that might have been what encouraged chupo to go a little bit over the edge but there's a couple of quick points I just want to make before I think we look at moving on to the uh, Brumbies Rebels game. Um, firstly, the the Waratahs need next season to just improve their forward pack. Um, one of the big issues that they had is they didn't have much game line success in attack, but also they weren't able to control their own rucks and they gave away eight turnovers, which is really not particularly um, 
helpful when you're trying to get some continuity in attack. And they lost five rucks as well. So the success rate was down to 93% compared to the um, Reds 99%. Um, although in the Waratahs defence, their lineouts were fantastic and the Reds were pretty weak as well. So I think that speaks to Rob Simmons's Definitely. Um, yeah. generalship there. One quick point I want to make about Rob Simmons. I'm not sure if his nose got broken during the game. But watching the um, post-match interview with him and Rob Penny, I want you to get like a protractor out oh, and it's... measure the degrees to which Rob Simmons's nose is at an angle to the rest of his face. And I'm pretty sure it's at like 20 degrees. It's been that way for a while. Has it? I if, you go back and look at, if you go back and look at old interviews, yeah, um, yeah it's been that way for a while. It's, it's oh, bent. Poor guy. That yep. schnoz is well out of tune with the rest of his face. Um, <laughs> anyway, my that other actually, point that I was sorry, wondering... before we get off that, that reminds yeah, yeah. me of Dean Mum, another Waratahs player who oh, yeah. who also had a, a broken schnoz, and and after he retired, the first thing he did was had plastic surgery to fix it up. Smart. Yeah, that is very smart. Um, Oh, what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah. Tate McDermott's try. You know that sneaky one that you got in the first half, 28th minute? How much did that annoy you when... So, for those of you who don't know, basically, the Reds get a penalty about, what, 15 metres out from the right-hand side of the... Yeah, about that. uh, uh, Waratah's line. Yeah, and basically... No, it came from, um, from Bell's yellow card. Oh, it was a Bell's yellow card? Yeah. Okay, cool. So then they he, he runs forward, takes a quick tap, and then just dives over. And the Waratahs just switched off, assuming that the Reds were going to go for another scrum to just kind of dominate that area. And he was just the smart, smart-ass scrum half. But that's not the point. Well done, Tate McDermott. That was smart. The point that annoyed <laughs> me was it was just another moment of switching off from the Waratahs. It just showed a lack, a lack of like mental intensity to be yeah. able to stay focused in those I mean, um, important moments. In their defense, there was a little bit of stuff going on as that happened. So Bell got the yellow card that he was, he was uh, marching himself off and mm. Tupo came up to him and sort of started a niggle. So the forward pack was retreating from the scrum and then mm. they saw that and then they came back towards him because they thought something was about to start. When Tate McDermott and the referee as well, if you watch it, the referee is walking towards that. Tate McDermott yep. takes a tap and he turns around and he dives over and he just awards it. Yep. So another referee would have said, no, I, I wasn't ready. Bring yep. it back to the, to the mark. I didn't see you take the tap. Anyway, we're not getting into that. Anyway, anyway. okay, let's move on to Brumbies Rebels now. Um, so we don't spend the entire time talking about the Tars. <laughs> and the Brumbies Rebels, this was touted as being the, um, it, sh- it should have been the better of the two games. Um, there were a lot of people saying because of the Brumbies' early season form, they were six and one. Yep. Um, so they were, I think they were second overall in the Super Rugby table. So obviously yeah, they were Australian competition, but second overall. Yep. And the Rebels had shown some pleasing form. I think they beat the Highlanders away. Um, yes, for the first time. Had, yeah, first time. And had been playing some pretty good rugby in the last couple of games. It's a good patch, yeah. Yeah, so the first half of this game was... Oh, the Brumbies got up 31-23. to 23. The first half, first 40 minutes, I thought was really poor and quite error-ridden. Yep. Apart from the very first try by Andy Muir, yeah. which was absolutely beautiful. But after that, it was I thought it was pretty poor. Yeah, I think the Brumbies were still adapting to the new rules. Um, they seem to be trying a few different things in approach to the game, but 
once they kind of got into their rhythm, they fell back into their old approach of scoring points through line-out malls, which I yeah, found... all four of their tries came from a set play based on a line-out. I'm getting a bit frustrated with that. It's like, come on, do something <laughs> else. If it works, it works, mate. This, the first try was exciting. The first try was good. It did come off a mall. Um, yeah. The second try I thought was quite interesting. I did say on the pod last week or the week before that um, with the new interpretation of the, of the, well, the new rule, sorry, that if the ball gets held up over the line, it's a, def, it's a goal line dropout, um, mm-hmm. not a five-meter scrum. And I was wondering if the Brumbies would alter their approach because with the mall, there's a high chance they could be held up. Um, the second try was a mall. Um, the ball was going through, but then Joe Bow picked it up off the back and dived over himself. So I kind of yeah. thought that this was a, an interesting approach to it in that they could get the mall, get over the line and then get the half back to take the ball and ground it without there being the chance of being held up. But then yeah. the third one, they did the same thing and scored straight off the mall. So they went back to it. I think one of the talking points from the game was the dominance of the Rebels scrum at Rebel scrum. And so in the first half, I think Alan Alatoa uh, lost like two, had two or three penalties blown against him at scrum time for poor engagement or poor binding, or I think it was maybe even pushing before the hit. Um, And so that was just really interesting. Their success rate for their scrums was 60%. And they had one of the best scrums in the Australian competition, if not the whole of super rugby. Yeah, so they were definitely struggling with their um with their engagement, and I wonder if that comes from the the locking the locks, yeah, from the second yeah. row. That mm-hmm. all all the teams basically, apart from the Waratahs, really have had some sort of loss of experience in the locking department with players coming in and out in the off season, and um, yeah, I I was I thought that the reason they were engaging too early was because the locks were pushing too early which caused the front row to be unstable and, and, and close that gap. So interesting. We haven't seen, we haven't seen the the instability come into a Brumbies pack like this for, for a while now. So I think one of the issues that the Brumbies were facing, like you've just mentioned, is that like, who did they lose? They lost Blake Enova. He got compassionate release yep. to move back to his family in Queensland and then Nick Minnett has signed for Leicester Tigers. play in Leicester. Like, how is that okay. compassionate release? I don't understand that. But maybe we just don't have the full he didn't information want, there. He didn't want to have the hard chat with the Brumbies. <laughs> I'm leaving for <laughs> Europe. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And then the other one was um, Caden Neville uh, had an injury just before the start of the AU comp. Um, and obviously prior to this season, they'd lost Rory Arnold um, and Sam Carter as well yep. overseas. And so you've had three of the top four locks of the Brumbies go within a few months. And so, yeah, it's, it's been pretty rough for them. And I think that their scrum was impacted by it. Now, that being said, they ended up winning fairly convincingly. And I think a part of that was because of the, um, just the insipid attacking display of the Rebels. They were really, really poor. And I just kind of question what is wrong with the Rebels that they can't have a, a seemingly clear game plan or they keep making so many unforced little errors um, that just ruin any continuity that they try and gather. I just wonder what's going on there that means they can't reach the potential that they should have considering the quality of players in a team. 
Yeah, it's it's a similar situation to the Waratahs have found themselves in the last few years. They've got they've got the star power in the positions to be really effective. They've got a really good and strong back three, but whenever they sort of find themselves in open play, one of them drops it. Um, yeah. Now I don't know if that's that they're not putting enough emphasis on the basic skills at training of just catch and ball stuff. But if this is being a consistent thing, you would think that that that's an easy fix. Just go and throw a ball against the wall for 200 times. <laughs> yeah, just doing extras after every training session. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's something in Australian rugby, though, that there's a number of teams now that, that do have this same issue in that once they get into open play, it's, they make these simple errors. Um, you don't see that from the New Zealand teams. When they're in open play, they're very, very well. They're very good at getting the offload and finding that space. I've seen a few rants online um, about the skills gap between the New Zealand and Australian teams. And I think a large part of that is pretty well-founded in that there is a difference in the quality of handling between the Australian and New Zealand teams. And I think some of that must be a developmental or systemic issue within a pathways within New Zealand and Australian rugby. But I also think there's been a lot of unfair criticism labeled or leveled at the, um, at the first round of the Australian comp because you're comparing it with the fourth round of the Aotearoa comp. And I mean, if you think back to, you know, the Crusaders first game against the Chiefs. So it was week two, two. um, Crusaders first game. It was so bad. It was, uh, there were so many errors. There were so many mistakes. Admittedly, that was in driving rain, but it was still quite a dire match to watch. Um, And so I just think people might well be being a bit, harsh on the Australian but even, team. Even the round, the first game we had of the Blues and the Highlanders, no, the Chiefs and the Highlanders, there was something like 36 penalties in that game. Yep. Like there was yeah, heaps. And... There was like 15 or 16 or 17 per team. So the criticism came out then too that the referee was blowing the whistle too much and that the game was very stop-start. Yeah, and I just wonder if some of it was the ref. Like, undoubtedly, in the first couple of weeks of the Aotearoa comp, the, the referees were being very, very strict on some key areas that resulted in high penalty counts. But I remember at the time watching the games going, actually, a lot of these penalties are deserved. Yeah. And they're like, the referees just blowing up a genuine issue that they are seeing in front of them. It's not they were looking for something. Um, and so if we bring this back to the Brumbies and Rebels game, I think we can excuse some of the poor skills that were on display because they've essentially, this is essentially the first like trial. They had no trial games before this. They had internal games. Yeah. Yeah. Like intra-squad internal, internal games, but that's not the same intensity and the same pressure um, circumstances as this. So I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to be lenient towards um, the teams. Although the question has to be, if the Rebels don't finish in the top three of this competition, how secure is Dave Vessel's role moving forward? Well, this has to be it, doesn't it? I don't know how many years he Maybe. does have left on his contract, but he can't. He, they would not be renewing it if he was coming up to it because they have not achieved anything under him. Yeah, like they've been poor for a long period. And considering the Rebels basically had the quality players from the Rebels and then all the best force players when the force got cut at what, yeah. 2017? Yeah. All the best players came across in 2018 and yet they've still been underperforming. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I I don't know why this happens, um, but it's it's almost as if they've been um, preparing incorrectly in that maybe they're not doing enough analysis mm-hmm. of the opposition that they're playing up against, or they're not doing, they're not focusing on certain skill sets. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but they just, they haven't, they just never show up. I yeah. do what I do want to say though, in this game, I, I was actually impressed by the Brum, by the, um, the rebels in that they came back. Yeah, true. So, yep, that's correct. So the Brumbies did get out to quite a lead. It was nineteen to six at half time, but in the fifty or sixtieth minute, the Rebels actually came back and were just ahead. So they came back and they got to twenty three, twenty three, twenty. Like at the seventieth minute, the score was twenty four twenty three, and the Brumbies were just one point ahead. And then they went on to score another try, um, yep. which which sealed the game and the victory, but they did well to come back. And I think that was another thing that we saw with the Reds as well, that they, the team, the dominant team took their foot off the break and didn't accelerate through the game and, and give a full 80 minute performance. Now, I, yeah. I don't know if you can say this can be expected in that they had a, a massive off season and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the go is there. I, I, I'm in two minds to, to say they've just had time off. We've had some games there's probably a little bit rusty from not playing, but at the same time, like this isn't the start of the season either. They've played mm. seven rounds. They've had two or three months off. And now they're back. You would probably be expecting that they would be a little bit readier to perform and well, to, think, to play well. Yeah. And I mean, what we saw as a result of that was there were some really key players that just didn't perform particularly well. So looking at the rebels, I thought Reese Hodge was quite poor. Andrew mm-hmm. Kellaway really didn't do much except um, take a quick tap and slow. about 20 years behind everybody else. He looks slow um, in this game. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's one thing I, that we have been talking about in the last few few rounds of, of the first round of Super Rugby is that he looked really quick. Mm. So I think he might have been one of the players that probably wasn't training as well as he should have been in the off-season. Well, it'd be pretty hard, wouldn't it? Um, Marika Corabetti, I thought, was basically uh, like absent. I didn't really see him particularly much. Um, and it's because he yeah, looks I mean, completely different. Rebels. That's true. Maybe I can't. He's invisible now that he doesn't have a beard. He's got no beard um, and he shaved his hair. He's got a strong, strong jaw though. So he does. Helps. He does. It's interesting. <laughs> um, now, with that being said, I thought a couple of standout players. I thought Matty Tamu was actually pretty strong for yeah. the Rebels, um, as well as for the Brumbies. Um, Annie Muirhead's first try was bloody brilliant. Uh, although he really ran onto a fantastic pass. Yeah, you've, that um, goes but, to Sienga, though. Yeah, true. Although and, it was forward. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. It's, it, those ones that they're having, to, they're not square to it and they have to throw it back across their body. It There's no way. looks bad. And the commentator was saying, oh, he's done so well to throw that across his body and not make it go forward. I'm like, it's impossible to do it. You can't be running the opposite direction and throw a ball backwards over your shoulder. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. Anyway, obviously it got through, but I agree at the time I thought it was a bit um, suspect. Noah Lalesio was body fantastic. Again. Yeah, he was very good. Um, he and Will Harrison are putting a massive amount of pressure on Matt Tamua for that Wallabies number 10 jersey. Um, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if you see one of the young guys um, 
in well definitely i think you'll see one or two of them in the squad yeah and maybe one of them will make the 23 i reckon rennie would probably go for experience for the first couple of games um but anyway yeah i would expect to see lalesio off the bench in the first few tests over harrison i i think so yeah cool um and the other person i thought was particularly strong as well was joe powell i was really impressed with him i thought he had a very strong game yeah joe powell seems to be one of those players that just sort of cruises he's always there um he always plays okay he doesn't always Mm. he's not sort of giving him man of the match performances every week but yeah this was one of his better performances yep yeah i think um what we're just seeing is that the Brumbies played poorly, but still ended up winning relatively comfortably, even if it did require a late try to seal the deal. Um, I, I was never really that concerned that they were going to lose, even when the Rebels did close the distance to just one. Um, I thought that the Brumbies just had the quality to kind of get them over the line. And I just think that they are going to be the team that's going to go from strength to strength, that they have the intelligence in the coaching department particularly and the ability to respond to that coaching and have these really smart set players and strike players that will just um, help them against every other team. They're the most stable and settled of all the teams, in my opinion. Yeah, the only issue I have with the Brumbies is they're so set-piece reliant. Like they rely on their line-out to score a lot of their points and they rely on their scrum to be so dominant to get them advantage and to get them up the field. So if mm. they come up against an opposition that can um, disintegrate that scrum or yep. get rid of, uh, lose or steal the line-out ball or completely dissolve them all, I don't yep. know what else they're going to rely on. So I, yeah. I don't think there's a team in the Australian competition that will potentially do that. Maybe the force. I don't know what they're going to be doing. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I would say if they came up against maybe a South African team that was really good at the set piece and, and push them off the ball, I don't know what, where they would go from there. But yeah, I can def- in, this, in this Australian competition, I definitely see them as being the front runners. Yeah. Well, why don't I quickly say um, round two games, you're going to have the Rebels versus the Reds on Friday at 7.05 p.m. That's going to be held at Brookvale over Manly because the Rebels are basically without a home now since the border with Victoria is getting shut down yeah. uh, tomorrow as of the time of recording. Um, and the Waratahs are playing the Western Force at the SCG on Saturday night. And Mitch, you're going to be going to that game? I'm going to the Rebels game. Oh, you're going to the Rebels game. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm going on Friday going night to the, to the Rebels game. So you're not going to the Tars game, but you're going to the no. Rebels game. No, I want to go to the Brumbies <laughs> game next week, and I don't think yeah. I'm able to go to two weeks in a row. Yeah, cool. So I'll be going with you to that Brumbies game. Um, but we recommend anybody that can try and get along. There's two games in Sydney this weekend, which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I'm really and... interested to see what kind of following they get down in Brookvale. Um, being awake two away teams playing. It's not quite, I've, we haven't really seen anything like this in sport for a while, <laughs> but there's yeah, no home, I mean, the, home team. The Northern beaches are pretty rugby, um, pretty supportive of rugby. Like got the yeah. rats at a base there that are a very strong team. And then what is it? Manly. Marlins. Marlins. Um, that are the Marlins. Re- <laughs> so I think they should have a fair bit of just natural rugby union support. So hopefully some of those um, fans just rally around and get to the games. It's only 15 bucks a head, which is pretty well, cheap. Well, there's only, um, there's only 13,000. Fi- is it 13,000? 1,300? 1,300. 
Okay. I think. Cool. Well, I saw it was allowed. So I've got my tickets. I'll be there. Good man. Good man. Uh, and I need to decide who I'm going chat for. To our mate Liam Wright. Sure, you got to go for the Reds. Do I though? I don't know, mate. I don't know. Well, why don't we move on? Otherwise, we're going to chat about these games all night before we get on to the other things we want to talk about. Let's do it. All right, now we move to the New Zealand games of this week. So round four of Super Rugby Aotearoa. First game was held in Dunedin um, and where the Highlanders hosted the Crusaders. Final score for this game was 20, 20 to Highlanders, 40 to the Crusaders. So the Crusaders won this one quite comfortably. But watching the game, it didn't actually... It wasn't as tight as it probably seems. Um, yeah, the, the yeah, Crusaders the... ran in two pretty late tries to sort of push the, the margin out in the last five minutes. What I think we're seeing here is that Will Jordan is an absolute freaking unit <laughs> and is lighting everything up. And I wonder how the All Blacks selectors are not going to have him in, in at least the squad if not the run on 20, the match day 23 for whatever Bledisloe series we have at the end of the year. Um, he's absolutely killing it. I wonder if they're going to stay with Moonga and Barrett at 10-15 if, if, we'll, if, if Jordan's form continues. Well, I mean, this is the time, isn't it? This is the yeah. time to make those decisions. Barrett's off to Japan next year. So maybe you don't even select Barrett. Maybe you bring in Will Jordan and, and try and... Oh, you select Barrett. <laughs> if Barrett's available, surely you select Barrett. Although Jordan was playing on a wing in this game. So you can select him on a wing and still keep Barrett, I guess. But he had been playing 15 previously. Yeah. But I mean, Sever Reese is on the other wing and he's, he's just impressing me every time he gets the ball. This guy is yeah. an absolute monster. I well, love watching Will him play. J- Will Jordan has pushed Reese out of the starting side. So Sevi Reese was on the bench for the Satyrs and came on later in the game to score oh, his try. Okay, I so I wonder if you have like Reese at 11 and Will Jordan at 14 and then you have yeah. Barrett at 15. And that's how you get them all into the field at the same time. That would be deadly. That would be very oh, deadly. That's, that's so such a good team. Holy crap. <laughs> they would um, carve us up. Let's not talk about it. Let's save that for later. Um, just everything I've seen, I didn't get to watch this game, um, but the reports that I've read and the highlights that I've watched just spoke to the quality and intensity of this game. It was 26-20 yeah. in, in a 75th minute. So it was within six points with five minutes to go and then the Crusaders scored two crazy late tries. Will Jordan's 79th minute try is fantastic. It was a counter-attack after a turnover deep in a Crusaders oh, and then chips the with Jordan chips the final defender and then puts on the gas to just streak away and score. It was bloody brilliant. It was lucky, is what it was. The Highlanders yeah, player did jump on. and he and he touched it. He did touch the ball <laughs> and it sort of rolled over his his fingers and into Will Jordan's outstretched hands and he just streaked off and scored. But um, yeah, no, it was it was very impressive. And so one of the other things I was reading was Aaron Smith is just getting plaudit after plaudit. People are just talking him up and it just makes me think that so much of this Highlanders team is based entirely upon the work of Aaron Smith. Um, and now I don't mean that as a huge put down of Mitch Hunt, the fly half, but Smith just has the engine and the accuracy and the ability to just keep going for like 70, 80 minutes of a game and to continue operating at 
the same level of quality for that entire time, um, which is cred- incredibly important because you were speaking about the speed of the uh, yeah. Aotearoa competition and yet the scrum half, which is the position that has the most kind of um, aerobic requirements of any of the position, he's the one that's able to just get around the field and he remain at peak level of quality. Yep. So I think he's just, I think we mentioned it last week or the week before, we just keep saying this. He probably is the best scrum half in the world currently. Yeah, he's really, and he's pushing Perinara back. Like mm. he's really pushing for that number nine jersey. Um, I was, yeah. uh, well, as I was watching the highlights of this game and as, as you were saying, he's just doing everything and he's at every breakdown. He just doesn't stop. I was just catching myself thinking like, why, why is this guy playing for the Highlanders? As, <laughs> as hard as that is to say, but like, they really don't have very many much experience at all across their roster. Um, yep. yeah, imagine him playing for the Crusaders or, yep. or the Blues even. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah. So, I mean, credit to him. He's obviously a good club man and um, he's probably getting remunerated well for it. But uh, you just look at the rest of the team and they don't have the same quality around him. No. Um, why don't we move now to the Chiefs and the Hurricanes match? What were your thoughts on this, considering you got to watch a, a mini of it? Yeah, this game, um, look, it's unfortunate to be a Chiefs fan this year. I think you feel mm-hmm. fairly similar to the Waratahs at the current time. Um, that leaves them z- zero from three. Have they had a bye yet? They must. Uh, no. Oh, no. So zero from four. So they're going into the bye next week. So they haven't won a single game yet. And yeah, I just, they just look so lost. They just don't seem to have any idea of what they're doing at any time. And it's just, it's really, it's really unusual because they've got Warren Gatlin as coach and they have been such a powerhouse team in the past that I don't, I don't know what's going wrong. I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's a particular player or set of players or what's, where we, we we put the blame, but they just don't seem to have any clue as to where they want to go or what they want to do. We got players like McKenzie, Aaron Cruden, Sam Kane, Brad Webber's pretty darn good. Um, Lau Lala as well. Like they've got quality players they across do. the team. Yeah, they've and got a, yeah, they've got just, a lot of All Blacks. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to be coming together. They've got the and All Blacks I'd need captain. to sit down. Yep. I'd need to just be sitting down and actually watching it in more detail to figure out what's going wrong. Some analysis that I've seen is saying that Gatlin's, if you look at, if you think of Gatlin's team in Wales, particularly, so the way that he coached Wales over the last however many years he was there, they were very forward focused, abrasive, high work rate, high energy, and less of the attacking flair that we've kind of seen from the Chiefs and the players like um, Cruden and McKenzie would particularly be working from. So I just wonder if the game plan that um, if the, the coach is trying to push forward is just not necessarily gelling with the players that he has at his disposal, considering it's the first season that he has them for. But I mean, he's a good enough coach, Warren Gatlin, that surely he'd be adjusting the way he's playing to the players at his disposal. I don't know. There's, but the there's same just time, something going wrong there. If things do go back to normal, he's not there next year anyway. He's off coaching the Lions, the Lions, so he's, he's yeah. there for a year and then he's off. So it's mm. just going to get worse and worse for the Chiefs, really. Yeah. I've got a theory. I've got a controversial theory. theory. Okay. So Sam Kane is the new captain of the All Blacks. 
Mm. Michael Hooper is the current captain of the Wallabies. Both of the mm-hmm. test captains are playing insides that just can't seem to get a win. <laughs> Maybe there's some yep. kind of hoodoo going around that the test captain has to play inside. Okay. That it's getting pumped. It's getting pumped. Yeah, I don't Maybe, know. Maybe I don't what know because be happening. Kieran Reid and, and Richie McCall played for the Crusaders and they won everything that was possible to win. So maybe there's nothing in it, but who knows? I don't know. I like where you're going in that one. <laughs> um, why don't we move on, mate? Rather than delve deep, we spoke so long about the Australian comp. I think we can just skim over those. Cool. That's it this week. Okay. Right. Next, who's well, playing next week? Round five. For the uh, I have them up in front of me. Give me like three seconds. So we have okay, the Crusaders cool. and the Blues. Yep. Is next week. And mm-hmm. I don't know the other one. Hurricanes and Highlanders. So it is the Chiefs that have the bye. Okay. So the um, 11th of July, which I'm pretty sure is a Saturday night, is the Satyrs versus Blues. And that is going to be the top of the table match. So the Satyrs are currently one or two points ahead of the Blues because of bonus points. Oh. Um, but they're both on but three But haven't the Blues played more? Games. No, they've oh, both, they've had, both had, three had a bye. Games they've both had a bye. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Crusaders set out first week, Blues set yeah. out last week. That's true. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be top of the table clash, and I'm really excited to see. I'd love it's to see the Blues get up over the Satyrs. Auckland? Christchurch. Christchurch. Okay, who are you going yep. for? Uh, Blues. By? Uh, it's going to be tight, like five. Five, okay. I think the Crusaders will sneak this one home. I just think yep. they're too good a side. They've won too much. They've got too much experience across the park to to go down to the Blues. So I'm going to save the Crusaders by 10. Okay, cool. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. No, we've got the other game. The other game was... Oh, the other the game. Sorry, I'm excited to Highlanders talk about Highlanders and <laughs> Hurricanes. Highlanders and Hurricanes down in Wellington on the Sunday. Um, Canes versus Highlanders, who would you be going for? I'm going for the Canes. I think the Canes yeah, me too. do it. By how much? Um, Canes by 14. Oh, I'd be going eight. Canes by eight. Yeah, I, I just don't think that, as we said before, the Highlanders don't have the experience across the roster. Whereas mm-hmm. the, um, like, uh, Geordie Barrett came back this week for the Canes and he did quite well. <laughs> he was incredible. His, yeah. what's 58 meter penalty yeah, goal in the first was, half. And that it, was just insane. And it cleared it by a long way. Like, it was high up when it went over the post. Over the... He could have gone out to 65 and it would have been okay. It's crazy. It's like Reese Hodge. Anyway, yeah, let's move on to the next segment. All right, let's roll. All right, now this is our last segment for this evening or this week's episode. Um, and we've got something quite interesting to talk about. So, Ando, this week you wrote an article for The Raw about the struggling Waratahs. Mm. It was titled... Super Rugby AU, a new hope for the Waratahs, question mark. The Waratahs? The Waratahs? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, what, um, so what made you want to write this one? I got to the end of the game on Friday night and um, I then watched the Brumbies and Rebels game on a Saturday and I reflected back on the Friday night game and thought, you know what? We weren't that bad. And that was basically the inspiration for the article in that, yeah, we lost the game and we, I was surprised at how close it was. I thought we were going to lose by more. Um, But I just thought that actually, you know what, considering everything that was at play with the lack of experience within the lineup, within the um, combining 
a lack of experience with the youthfulness of many of the players, um, there actually was was a fair bit to be looking forward to moving forward as a Waratahs fan. And so that was really the inspiration for what made me pen this after having a couple of adult beverages on a Saturday night and then sending it through at about 11 o'clock that night. Yeah, cool. Was I, I read the article. It was a good read. Well done. Thank you. I very Thank much you. enjoyed it. Um, being a struggling Waratahs fan for a number of years now, <laughs> I definitely agree with what you were saying, that this this new team and these new guys definitely have shown... Uh, they've sort of relit that spark where there's a little bit of hope there that maybe they'll get somewhere this year. Um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was really good. I was really surprised actually by the performance of the Tars on the Friday night. I, I definitely, I did expect the Reds to win. Um, and when they, they lost, I was a bit upset. <laughs> um, I also, because I don't like it when the games are tight. Yep. I would prefer to lose by two tries three or three tries than to lose by six points um but yeah no i was i was really impressed that they they stuck with the reds for so long and that they um were really challenging them in that last sort of 10 minutes um and yeah these guys definitely do have a future so it's very exciting for the waratahs moving forward I think that was a big part of what I was trying to get across in this article is if you think back to the first seven rounds of the comp at the start of the year, we had, it, it was just really, really poor. We got smacked away by the Crusaders in the first round. Then we lost in a really poor performance against the Blues at home. And then we won against the Lions and then got absolutely hammered by the Chiefs and the Brumbies in consecutive weeks and then went into the COVID break. And it, particularly against the Chiefs and the Brumbies, when we were just getting points after points piled onto us, the players were just giving up. You could, you could actually see them stop trying in the latter stages of the game um, against the Chiefs and the Brumbies. And so for me, I think I might have said it last week, but going into this game, I just wanted the players to show that they cared and to have commitment for the full 80 minutes of the game. And I think there were a couple of things that really showed me that that effort level had increased. Um, Firstly, I think was, you know, when um, Tate McDermott makes that break down the far side and then Will Harrison is freaking busting a gut (laughs) to try and and to try and catch. He got so um, close as well. He got so close. But the fact is he caught up after going from a standing start right so good on him for getting pretty close but then Maddox comes across and freaking destroys McDermott but then gets up and affects a turnover as well and so that kind of level of defensive effort I just I just don't see Curly Beal making that tackle that Maddox no, makes no definitely um and it was just that level of commitment really, really impressed me as well as the effort that Swinton put in as well. Yeah. He gave away a few penalties, um, but I am happy to trade those penalties at this stage for somebody that shows that they care and that this is meaning something to them. Um, you can't have everything be on the shoulders of Michael Hooper every single week. Other no, players definitely need to be not. stepping up and I kind of saw some players step up this week. So yeah, this article was really a, like the final two sentences that I wrote were show us long suffering fans that you care and we'll keep the faith for there is nothing more tantalizing than hope. So basically that idea of if you show us there's something to be looking forward to in the future and to be getting behind in the future, I can forgive your mistakes and your lack of maturity or composure at this stage, if I know that we're on a pathway to something better. 
but you have to show us that you care. Yeah. And if you show us that you care, then we're behind you the whole way. That's right. Is kind of how I'm approaching it. And seeing that people really responded well and seem to um, hear that kind of sentiment. Yeah, I mean, it was when you look back to 2014 when the Waratahs went on their um, title win or title run, mm. as they started to string those wins together, people started to come out of the clockwork. And so you go to, at the beginning of the year, there'd be maybe 15,000 people at the stadium. By halfway through the season, it was half full. By the end of the season, it was hard to get a ticket to get to the Waratahs games. Like, I was lucky that I was a member of that year and I could get tickets. But I remember going to the grand final and there was a group of us and we got split up and half of us were sitting on the other side of the stadium because we just couldn't get seats together. There was that many people there. Yep. So I do think that the Waratahs do have that support. They just need to start trying or showing that there's a little bit of spark there. And there is that little bit of potential because it, for the last few years, unfortunately it has been the same thing of just having the talent, but not producing anything with it. I agree. And so, yeah, this is just hope is basically what I'm, what I was trying to communicate. And I think that's what we have to look forward to as a Waratahs fan. I am so, you know what, we're actually sitting third on the competition table right now. Um, so <laughs> you have the force who haven't played a game and then the rebels didn't get a bonus point because they lost by eight and we lost by six. So therefore we have one point, um, Brumbies are top, uh, Actually, yeah, Brumbies are top and then Reds and then us, then Force, then Rebels. Okay. So Rebels are sitting last. Okay. Wow. Well, the Force are sitting well, last. No. no. Well, they both be they zero. played a game. Yeah, they're both on zero. So the Force haven't played a game, so they're second. Okay. Long. That's fair enough. Cool. <laughs> well, anyway, if anybody does want to check out that article, like we said at the top, it's titled um, Super Rugby AU, A New Hope for the Waratahs. Just go to theraw.com.au and click on rugby and then scroll down till you find it because it went up on Sunday. So it'll probably be near the bottom by now, but it was pretty <laughs> well received. And thanks everybody if you did check it out. Yeah, and we'll hopefully see a few more articles in the future by you, Ando. Yeah, that'll be fun, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. All right, well, I think we'll, um, we'll call it there for this week. But uh, before we go, we need to do our predictions for round two of the Australian Super Rugby Comp. So mm-hmm. as we said earlier this week, we have the Reds and the Rebels playing at Brookvale on Friday, and then the Waratahs and the Force playing in Sydney at the SCG on Saturday. So, Ando, who are you going for? And who, like, who do you think is going to win on Friday night? I think the Reds will get up, and I think they'll do so relatively comfortably. So Reds by 10. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm actually going to go the other way. I think that the Reds should have shown more last week against the Waratahs. Yep. And I don't think that they, like that was the game that they needed to, to do well in. That was their chance to make a statement. And I don't think they did. Um, I think the, the Rebels, whilst being a bit shaky against the Brumbies, have the potential there. And if they do string a good, a good um, performance together, they do definitely have the ability to upset the Reds. So I'm going to say they're going to sneak this one home by three points. Okay. That's, that's a pretty bold prediction, but it, your reasoning is fairly sound. I just think the Reds are the more composed team right now and the Rebels didn't really show that much, in my opinion, against the Brumbies who were themselves poor. So I think the Reds were probably the best performers over the weekend. But if you say um, that... the the Reds' kicking has not been great. That's true. I think O'Connor needs to step up and take the kicking. And Matt Tamua has kicked well, or did kick well this week. So True. All right, Tarzan Force. I, I, I really don't know what to go this 
with this game. I have no idea what to expect from the force. They've actually announced a few more Wallaby signings this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Frisbee. Nick Frisbee and there was one other. Name escapes me now. Can't remember. Oh, did you hear that Carl Godwin has supposedly signed for the Waratahs for next season? What? Yeah. No. I I heard that um on the Rugby Ruckus, their um Sunday night show. They were saying that yeah, Carl Godwin has supposedly signed next season. Wow. Maybe it was Green and Gold podcast, which is an interesting point. Um, sorry, I just threw that out there. I should have mentioned it earlier, but. No, yeah, I did not. I yeah. will look into that. That's interesting. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I just, I don't know what to expect from this force team. Um, they could either do really well or yeah. they could be horrendous. Uh, the Waratahs were better than I was expecting this week. Uh, mm-hmm. So they do, def- it's a home game. Hopefully they get a fair, a good crowd there to support them. Um, it's at the SCG though. It's so bad at the SCG. Yeah, it is. It is. It's already going to be a limited capacity <laughs> and it's such a big stadium that it's probably not going to help. You're just so but, far away from the action as well. Yeah, but hopefully but anyway. New South Wales rugby does something in- innovative like the, um, the NRL and boosts crowd sounds or something to make it sound a bit more <laughs> like there's people there. I don't know. Hopefully. I'm not sure. I'm going to I'm gonna go with my heart here and say the Waratahs are going to sneak this one by seven. But yeah. I really don't know. It could go either way. I'm thinking that as well, but I could just as easily see the fourth pivot at the end as well. I think Actually, that there's going to be a level of intensity that they're going to bring to the game and say, you know what, screw you guys. We're back in Super Rugby. Have at you. And um, I'm not sure if the young Waratahs will be able to stand up to that kind of uh, niggle and pressure. So we'll see. I'm going to change what I just said. I've, th- I've, okay. I've had a change of heart. I think the Waratahs are going to eye this off as their chance to win a game this season. So they're going to mm-hmm. put everything into this one. I yep. think the Western force are going to come in and say, this is probably the team that they can beat this year as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be do it, do or die for both of them. I think this one's going to go to our first golden point. Oh, and okay. one of them's going to win by two points. Imagine if they'll Harrison win by three, gonna, but they'll, they'll, sort kick, of drop goal. they'll kick a, a drop goal and win by two. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, I'm interested. Um, personally, I think the Tars will just get up just, but either way, I can, I can see it going both ways. Um, and I'm looking forward to that game. I'm looking forward to getting out to the Brumbies versus the Waratahs the following weekend as well. So Definitely. we'll be heading out to that all together. Yeah. That'll be so good. Can't wait. Keen. All right, mate. Well, well, it's going to be funny. We'll call it there for this week. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. We will catch you all next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at at pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Or send us an email at pickanddriverugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week.